0: Hello and welcome to Bereaved Motherhood and All It Entails. I'm your host Mackenzie and today we have the special privilege of hearing the story of Sebastian. As many of you are aware, October is Infant and Pregnancy Loss Awareness Month and to honor all of our children gone too soon, we have the incredible blessing and honor to share the stories of other angel babies and their mothers who are the bravest women out there. So thank you for being here today, and we have the honor, as I said, to share the story of Jennifer and her son, Sebastian. So just like last week, this week you will hear my voice, but the words that I'll be speaking are not mine. They are Jennifer's. She has written them, and she has sent them to me as she was willing to have her story shared with our audience and we cannot be more thankful for her and for her son Sebastian and we are so honored to share their story. So again, this is her story but you'll hear me speaking. So on October 15th, 2021, my water broke while I was at home and I started having contractions. I waited at home till I had contractions that were approximately six minutes apart I proceeded to call the hospital to find out if it was time for me to come in and I was told to head on up to make sure that my water did in fact break and for them to either decide to keep me or send me home. When I got to the hospital, I let them know that I was a high-risk patient. They put me in a triage area in the maternity ward. I was examined by a doctor and a resident and was told that I was only one centimeter dilated and then I was hooked up to an NST The doctor told me that, in fact, my midbrain did rupture, but I had a long ways to go since I was only one centimeter dilated and that she would check back on me around noon. And in the meantime, I would just be monitored by my nurse and be waiting for a room to become available. I was waiting patiently with my boyfriend in the triage area while my mom was downstairs waiting to be told that she could come upstairs. Shortly after being hooked up to the NST, I really needed to use the bathroom, twice and we asked the nurse for me to go to the bathroom and she told my boyfriend that he could just unplug the machine and when I got back he could replug it and she would make sure that it was working correctly. When I went to the bathroom I was releasing more of my water and when I got back to bed my boyfriend hooked me back on the NST. Something in my heart kept telling me after I got plugged back in to keep looking at the monitor And it was hard for me to look at the monitor, so I kept asking my boyfriend what was the machine reading. At first, the machine seemed okay, but after a little bit, it seemed off. I tried fixing the NST myself, and I kept telling my boyfriend to go get the nurse so that she could fix it and make sure it was working properly. The nurse came in at one point to do a COVID swab because when I had walked into the hospital, it sounded like I had a cold and they thought I might have COVID. So I asked her, can you please fix the monitor and make sure it's working properly? And she said, yes, I'll do it in just a second. First, I have to get these results to the lab. My boyfriend said to her, what, is the NST not important? And she sat there and looked at us like we had five heads and chuckled and said, no, it is important, but these test results are also very important to go to the lab. She handed us a lunch menu and walked out. After a while, I proceeded to keep asking my boyfriend what did a machine say and to go find a nurse, but he couldn't find any nurses. After having our lunch and eating, I got a very strong pain in my abdominal area. I felt like something was twisting and turning inside me. I was on the phone at the time with my mom, and I told her I had to hang up because the pain was so intolerable. I assumed it was my contractions, and I yelled at my boyfriend to go get a nurse again. Still, there was no one around. The pain went away after a little bit, and my boyfriend went to the bathroom across from my curtain. And that moment, the nurse finally came back, and I said to her, thank God you're back. I just had really bad, intolerable pain. And I explained to her, and she just started squirting the gel on my stomach to fix my NST to find the baby's heartbeat. After a while, she sounded like she was frustrated because she wasn't finding anything. But I didn't think anything of it. I just thought the baby was moving around. In that moment, my boyfriend walked into the room and happened to take a picture. That nurse happened to see another nurse walking by and asked her to please come assist her in getting the baby's heartbeat. Again, nothing bad was clicking in my head. The second nurse attempted for a really long time and said to me that maybe his back was against mine and he was just somewhere hiding. After a while, she said she was gonna go get someone to do a sonogram to take a better look. That's when the resident came in. He looked like he had just woken up, and he did a sonogram. There I saw my baby, but I couldn't hear anything. He simply said to me, I don't really know how to read this, so I'm going to go get the doctor. In my head, I started to think, what do you mean you don't know how to read this? But I still remained calm, and so I didn't think anything of it. I was just trying to get an answer. Now the doctor comes in with the resident being there, and the two nurses, and immediately does the sonogram and hands it back to the nurse, and asks her when was the last time there was a heartbeat on this baby. I immediately looked at my nurse, that was standing to my left, and she started looking at the NST report, and going back through it, and then stopped. The doctor proceeded to ask again, when was the last time there was a heart reading on this baby? The nurse immediately put her head down, and became so pale, and then said, at 11.30 in this morning. It was now 1.20 in the afternoon. The doctor then said, I'm so sorry, your baby no longer has a heartbeat, not even looking at my face. Now I started screaming repeatedly, no, 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 like what they're saying to me can't be true. I simply just remember picking up the phone and calling my mom to tell her the baby was gone and hanging up. Now all of a sudden they're moving me into a room to get me away from all the other moms in the triage area. I no longer saw that nurse again. When I got into another room, the doctor told me if I wished to go home to process what had happened, I could come back and deliver when I was ready. I said no, that I wished to have my family and to see my high-risk doctor. Once my family arrived, we did another sonogram so that they could see the baby and see that there was no heartbeat. My sister asked why I was off the the NST for a while and not monitored, since I was a high-risk patient. The doctor's answer was we were very busy and short-staffed. I now felt uncomfortable even touching my stomach, and I felt like my soul was gone. When my high-risk doctor arrived, she was tearing up and told me that because I was only two centimeters dilated after the baby passed, that I would have to be induced because a C-section would be more high-risk, and asked for the permission that I once I delivered if they can take a piece of the baby's chromosomes to do an autopsy to get to the root cause to see what happened, and that sometimes we would get no results back in an autopsy, and maybe we would, never truly know what had happened. I agreed and was induced with Pitocin, as well as a balloon in my cervix, and that morning Sorry, in that moment that I got the balloon put inside, I asked to get an epidural because I couldn't handle the pain from the contractions. After hours of just not knowing if I could take much more pain, growing up feeling exhausted physically and emotionally, I remember being examined around 5 something in the morning the next day, and I was told that I was finally 10 centimeters dilated and we were ready to go. They asked me if I was ready for delivery. I took a deep breath and said yes. I was also asked if I wished to have a mirror to see when I was delivering the baby, and I said no. They also asked if I wanted to see the baby and hold the baby after delivery, and I said no. After pushing the baby and getting him out within thirty minutes, the first thing they did was place them on my chest. It wasn't because my family if it wasn't because my family was with me, I don't know if I would have been able to survive because I was falling asleep as I was pushing. I remember the doctor just yelling at me like come on let's go let's go as if we were in a race not considering how I was feeling. Once the baby was placed on my chest I immediately told my boyfriend to please remove him. After being stitched up that's when the doctor finally came up to me and looked me in the face and said honey I'm so sorry for your loss and gave me a big hug. I just wish for her to get off me. My high-risk doctor came in that day to see the baby and to check up on me. The first thing she said is that he looked so much like me. He weighed seven pounds, two ounces, and was 20 inches long. She said he looked like a very healthy baby. She told me how I would be able to spend time with the baby and that they would take the placenta to get examined. And she spent some time with me and my family and I meant the world. I was a high-risk patient because I have lupus and factor five in my blood. I'm high risk for a blood clot. I self-injected for nine months of my pregnancy and six weeks postpartum. I was able to get the priest from my church to go to the hospital and see the baby and baptize him. I had a lot of family and friends be able to come to the hospital to see us. I decided to actually see my baby and hold him. He was absolutely beautiful and he looked as if he had a smile on his face. It was a different type of love that I have never felt before. I was finally ready to be a mom, but he was gone. Now all of a sudden, that day, there were so many nurses. They all walked into my room crying and saying how sorry they were. I was even asked if I wanted to go home and get discharged the same day. And I said no, because I was afraid of getting a blood clot at home and wanted to spend more time with my baby. I had been told by a nurse that there was, that we were the talk on the floor. And I was even told that my baby was the fourth baby that week, full term, that had passed away. I was 37 weeks and two days. I had a nurse ask me when I was planning on going home. So that way they knew when to take my baby to the morgue. I felt as if some of them had no feelings. At one point I was asked if I was okay with a photographer that comes in to take pictures of my baby for me to cherish. And I said yes. When they took the baby out... The room, they covered him up right in front of my face because they said they didn't want to hurt the other parents. I had wished they never said that and at least had done it behind the curtain for me not to see. They hadn't even put on a bracelet on my baby because they said since he was deceased, he didn't get one. He found my bracelet and the baby's bracelet in one of my drawers and made sure to put it on the baby before we even left because we felt he's going to the morgue. How is he going to be identified? I made sure to soak in all the time possible with my son. And the next day, when it was time for discharge, I felt like I was ready. I felt like I just wasn't ready to leave him. I felt like I was in such a state of shock that none of this felt real. Having to leave my Sebastian there, as I'm feeling willed out of the hospital without him. I was told at the time that the day the baby passed away was International Infant Loss Day. We were given some small little pins in the hospital and they did footprints on the baby for us to take home. Once I followed up with my OBGYN, I later found out that the nurse had direct orders to stay at my bedside because I was a high-risk patient. And she went against those orders because she just assumed I would have been okay since I was only once in dilated. And my regular OBGYN called the hospital that day thinking she was on call- that she was the on-call doctor. And they told her she was not and to not come into the hospital because they had just lost a baby to a high-risk patient. She mainly thought of me, and they wouldn't tell her the name of the patient. She went into the system and saw that it was me, and called the hospital. They revoked my doctor's access to my file because they said it was a conflict of interest. I was originally supposed to be induced the week of October 9th, when my baby shower was supposed to take place, but when I had to go into my last doctor's visit with my high wrist doctor, she said the baby was doing so well and so there was no need to get him out sooner and that they would schedule for my due date of October 28th, the day before my anniversary. My original due date was November 3. The doctor thought it was best to just let the baby come on his own. I sit back and think a lot about all the things, even about my last doctor's visit in the office on October 12th, how my baby was very asleep, he had a strong heartbeat but I guess he wasn't doing much moving, as he wanted him to do during a certain time period. But after being in the office for a while, they eventually let me go home. Sometimes I think, was that a warning sign? But at the same time, I got to the hospital on time. He had a strong heartbeat. This year for infant loss day, which marks a year since my baby passed, I'll be driving up to Niagara Falls when the waterfalls will turn pink and blue. In honor of remembering my son, Sebastian, as well as all the other babies who have passed. Being a part of a group of other moms that have gone through similar situations has really helped a lot as a support system. I'll also share that I wasn't trying to get pregnant. I had an IUD in, a copper one, and I was told back in 2018 that I couldn't have kids because of my lupus and my factor five, but I still was able to have Sebastian. So that is the story of jennifer and her son sebastian we thank them so much for allowing us to share their story on the podcast and we hope that this story inspires you and is just another reminder that you're not alone in your grief journey that there are so many moms out there that have walked in your shoes that understand your pain and your heartache and it's as unfortunate as it is Um, You will find the most amazing, strong, wonderful mamas in this group. None of us chose this club, but destiny has brought us together. And I just hope that as you hear these stories this month, that it brings you a sense of comfort, that you feel less alone, and just what a wonderful way to honor our children gone too soon to make sure that their stories go out, that they get the respect and honor that they deserve. And that we can work together to bring awareness to stillbirth and infant loss. Um, We know that October is stillbirth and infant loss month, but I think a lot of the world doesn't even realize that. I know that I personally didn't until I lost my son. And I know so many other moms that didn't know that as well until their precious children also passed away. And so it's just so important for us to raise awareness to get this out into society and into the world so that doctors and nurses can bring their A-game and they can watch moms and watch babies and give them the best care possible. So if there are any warning signs, they take actions and that they're proactive and that they don't just sit back and wait for disaster to strike. And by bringing awareness you know, we can start shining light on this and allow our babies to have the respect and remembrance that they deserve. They're living people. They're people that had a life. They have a story and their lives matter and they matter to society. And as their moms... It often falls on us to continue to bring up their story, to share their name, to share our stories, and to continue to draw attention to a topic that is often covered up by society because society is uncomfortable with it and society doesn't want to think that babies can die. But the fact of the matter is, just like we heard in Jennifer's story, is her son Sebastian was the fourth full-term baby to pass away in a week at just that one hospital. So this is very real, as you and I know. And I just encourage you to share these stories with your families, with your friends, to post them on social media so that we can begin to hopefully start a movement where we can bring awareness and we can get more attention for our children who deserve that and so much more. How amazing is it that Jennifer has the opportunity to go up to Niagara Falls to witness the falls turning pink and blue in honor of our children. And you know, hopefully we can get more and more things like that To recognize our babies and to show them the honor that they deserve. So if you ever want to contact the podcast, if you ever want your story shared, we would be honored to share your story on the air. Please email us at maverickjohnconnis at gmail.com. We love hearing from you and we're so honored to be able to share Sebastian's story, his mother Jennifer's story, and all the other stories that we're able to share um, as we seek to raise awareness for our babies and i hope that this just provides you a sense of community and a sense of comfort to know you're not alone in this walk and um, i just want to encourage you and be there for you and um, we're so honored to have you here and listening and part of this community episodes drop every week on friday 3 a.m eastern and 12 a.m pacific standard time so again thank you so much for being here and a special thank you to jennifer sharing her story of her son sebastian what a beautiful heartbreaking story it is. Um, Just so much to process there, but we are honored that we were able to share them here with you all. So we wish that you have a blessed week and we can just not thank you enough for taking your time out of your busy schedules to listen. So go ahead and keep being the amazing mamas that you are.